Hello and welcome. It's the Reinforced Running Podcast. My name is Rich Ryan. I will be your host. Today, our guest is Jared Newby of Noob Sanity. So in this episode, we talk a little bit about his second place finish at the Go Ruck Games right in the beginning of the episode, but a lot of time is focused on his team that he has built uh, that is this community in upstate New York called Noob Sanity and how that is and how they are helping drive this sport forward. So it's very interesting to learn how uh, the ins and outs of team building and how it can really help athletes get better results. Um, so we talk about a lot of different things uh, along those lines and Jared's extremely knowledgeable, very interesting. I really enjoy talking with him. So I love this episode. So just a reminder, hit us with a five-star review. Give us a rating on Apple iTunes. If you are enjoying this podcast, it's helpful to know. It's good feedback for your boy. All right, let's get into it. Jared Newby. All right, we got Jared Newby. What's going on, man? How are you today? I'm, I'm doing good. I'm totally ready for a podcast, holding a baby. Um, I think I've done 240 or so episodes. This is the first time that a guest was holding a baby while oh. while being interviewed. Well, he's he's still pretty young and he fell asleep. So if you put him down, he will wake up. And <laughs> we're we're gonna go with quiet and sleeping versus loud and screaming until mom gets back. So still ready to roll. That generally seems like a good option to take no matter what. So it's, this seems to be like a, a good and efficient way to do this. So and it's so I want to talk a little bit about GoRuck Games. It's kind of how we got to know each other a little bit. We worked together through that. And like you were more than generous when talking to other media places about mentioning the, the coaching aspect. But really, it was a lot about the work that you had put in. And it was very much a collaborative effort throughout the whole process. And the, your, your son came during that process as well, right? How, how far out uh, from GORUCK Games did your new family member come? Like six weeks? Yeah, well, it's half, it was February 28th. So it was about halfway through our 12-week training block. We had a baby. And, and I mean, that, that is one hurdle to kind of come across. Uh, but another one was uh, we didn't think about wrestling. We didn't do any wrestling training. I didn't. Um, I've, I've always think of like how you protect yourself as fight or flight. And I've leaned really heavily on flight my entire life. So, um, <laughs> I wish that was an option where maybe if like I could have gotten away from Hunter and like to the airport or something running well with a bag. <laughs> I don't know. If there was some sort of like option, like you could juke him out and then go. Juke him out and go. Yeah. yeah. I like my chances. I- I think about that too sometimes where it's like if there's some sort of confrontation, I would love to to, to be the person to fight. But I've been training for flight for 20 yeah. years now. I think we're uniquely qualified in the fact if if we can get away the first few steps, like they're probably not going to catch us. And if they do catch us, okay, um, we actually can probably take them. <laughs> Again, Hunter might be that weird example where – um, if he, if he does run you down and catch you, you're in trouble. But for most people, if they can catch me in anything after 200 meters, all of a sudden I'm bigger than them. <laughs> they're, and they're working pretty hard to, to catch it. Yeah. But, you know, being a 800 guy, I think you were a miler. That's just, you know, who's, who's bigger and stronger than you that can catch you in a 5k. 
that's the what people I always... that beat you in a 5k are, are are usually you know blown away by a stiff breeze and that's that's something with this style of training that i like if someone is faster than me i'm usually like ah, well i'll, I'll probably beat them in a fight but if someone can beat me in a fight it's like oh, I'll, I'll definitely be able to run away from them. but you you and hunter are probably those two aspects and hunter's training is a little his background's a little bit more pointed toward uh, he's combat he's done it before like even just having done it before is different like i felt like someone threw me in the deep end and i was drowning and i was flailing my arms and I thought in the moment, I was like, eh, that didn't go too bad. And I see like some videos or pictures and I'm like <laughs> bear hugging his leg as he flips me over. He's got his hand on my ankle. Apparently ankle controls a thing. Um, I picked him up one time and I was like, this is going good. I'm going to throw him out of the ring. And then he pulled some actual move where he dropped to the ground and just launched me out of the ring. And I was like, okay, that's, that's, that went good for half a second. It's a, a little confidence boost in the moment. You'd be like, you know what? Not too bad. Yeah, I don't think I would have watched video. I I actually didn't watch. I haven't seen any of the video part of it just because it was I was it was so cringy. And in the moment when I heard it was wrestling, I was like upset. I was like, we did, and and probably uniquely to me, I think some people were like, oh, this is kind of cool. I don't think it's cool. I don't think there's like finishing with combat when sports where you don't practice combat is like a little silly. Uh, and probably probably more dangerous than uh, than safe. So I was kind of like, I was bummed right away. Not that you, not that I didn't think you could beat him, but the chances are, <laughs> yeah. ch- chances I, are you weren't going to beat him. I told people he's going to beat me ninety nine times out of a hundred, and the hundredth time he accidentally kills me. <laughs> That's a that's a fair way to go uh, to think about it. But and with, uh, you know, they started building the ring. And like some guy comes over to me and he's like, Hey, you have, what's your combat experience? I was like, zero. Like, oh, what's your fight sport experience? I was like, zero. He's like, what sports did you play? I'm like, I ran track and cross country in college. He's like, Oh boy. And I was like, but I grew up racing motocross. So like, he's not going to hurt me that bad. Let's not fall down. can do anything yeah. to me. I haven't done to myself. Right. And that, that was one thing that I did give you a, a, a do a lot of respect for is that you didn't, you weren't like, shying away from it oh, I, I made him earn it um, yeah you know it you you hung in there as, until the light started going out and then you <laughs> you eventually tapped and one of the <laughs> one of the guys came up to me afterwards from go rock and um, probably what i was most proud of from that was he was just like hey you didn't tap when it hurt you tapped when you had to and i can respect that and then he was like, plus you got this black eye thing going on and it's fucking awesome. <laughs> yeah, be able to walk out of and, and through the airport with that probably felt cool for a couple of days. Yeah. Well, I didn't know I had a black eye at the time because it had just happened. I was like, oh, yeah, does it look cool? And he's like, yeah, it looks cool. It didn't. <laughs> it didn't look cool. In, in your mid-30s, like a, a black eye is like, is it more embarrassing than cool? I think – well, it's tough to explain at work because yeah. we do video calls and, you know, like if you show up with a black eye, they just assume like you're a piece of shit. You like got drunk and fell over. It's like, do you need yeah. help? <laughs> They're not like, hey, did you wrestle an eight-time world champion Florida after like a kick-ass event? They're like, oh, this idiot. He got in a fight at a bar or something. Right, right. Or fell down the stairs because he was drinking. Like there's no good options that jump into people's heads not at our age not not at our age certainly not so when when you think back i mean the wrestling thing it's unfortunate right like especially just because when go ahead 
I was gonna say I liked it. I mean, I hate losing. You know, I I was. If you told me going into Go Ruck Games, I got to take eighth, I would have been pumped. I was like, that's that's what we're shooting for. But when you get to the finals and after how the semis went, I felt like you know I was running times that were close to Hunter. I I beat him in one of the long rucks. I was close to him in the hundred pound mile. I was like, you know, roll the dice if if they throw out a workout that suits me, maybe I maybe I shock him. You know, people are going to be really surprised. This is this is exactly the position I want to be in. And and then it was something that wasn't in my wheelhouse, and I got my ass whooped in front of an entire festival of people. <laughs> and it was like, it, you know, it second is tough. Like sometimes you see in the Olympics, like the bronze medalist is the happiest, and the silver's bummed, and the gold medalist is like, yeah, I knew this was going to happen. So it was it was kind of that. I was I'm super proud of it. I love it, but you know, second place was still tough, even if people didn't expect me to be there. Like I trained to be there. Like, mm-hmm. you have to believe in yourself when you're going into that stuff so um and I, I wasn't i'm not bitter about it i think it's it's on brand for go rock i think you know with spartan and spartan games like the wrestling thing can be a little bit forced and they're like this, this is going to look cool on instagram and with go rock they're like hey um, there's violence at the tip of the spear you know we want happiness and peace and sometimes it's not and you got to know how to handle yourself and and they teach that stuff it was part of the um it was part of the fitness festival they had tim kennedy there it was awesome um they have you know they have some different courses where you do like shooting and um just things that um you don't think you ever need but you should probably actually know just a little bit because everybody thinks they they do fine and and they won it. So for them, I think it's on brand because they make it part of their events. Yeah. I just didn't, I didn't think of it cause I thought it was more fitness competition. You know, they're like, Hey, maybe there's going to be a rower. And I'm like, okay, I'll, I'll practice rowing. Right. And that's the, that's the part of it. And like, you're handling it with, with grace more than I am because it's like, you understand what they're, what they're going for and that that is part of their ethos. But like, it's still a fitness competition that like, how are you supposed to prepare for something like that? Like, I don't know. They will next year and they're going to throw something different at us next year. And it's, and if you go to go ruck events, it's going to make sense and it'll be on brand and someone outside of it's going to go, I'm not sure about this. Yeah. But I, you know, I felt better about that than some of the crazy things that have been thrown at me at like world's toughest mutter. <laughs> yeah, I suppose that's fair. OCR in general, it's a lot of like sketchy stuff where you can like zoom out and be like, why? Why did we do that? (laughs) Yeah. So when, and you mentioned that people may have been surprised that you were there and you weren't surprised that you were there. I wasn't surprised that you were there, like just based on your prep and then being able to see exactly what you could do in terms of how well you could run with that ruck and just what like your, your general lifts were like, like you had a lot of the pieces kind of coming in and just like with a specific uh, focus for that 12 weeks, it really did pay off. And like, I definitely wasn't surprised, but in that last event, what do you think was something that you would have been able, you would have had a good shot to take him down? Because the, I mean, you smoked, you smoked the long ruck and you ran away from everybody and you're right with him on the hundred pound ruck as well. What do you think would be, would have been something where you've been like, all right, like this is an, this is an area where I might be able to get him. I think something like the semifinals, mm-hmm. I mean, we had a, we had a weight, a weighted rope climb. I'm fast at weighted rope climbs. I'm tall. I'm efficient. I'm strong. We had to pull something that was heavy and we did bag over burpees i mean those things are also right in in hunter's wheelhouse 
but I think I could have made it close with him. I think there was a reason we both won the semis and made it to the finals. So I think if you had an, an event that was like the semis with a little bit of weighted running and mm-hmm. because you, you, I always try to think like on the spectrum, like you have hundred pound mile Hunter beats me. You have 12 mile, 45 pounds. I was able to, to take him. So there's probably a graph somewhere. Jack Bauer has it mm-hmm. um, secretly mm-hmm. on his computer where there's a inflection point where, you know, this weight and this distance, I'm able to beat Hunter and, you know, this weight, this distance, Hunter's able to beat me and there's probably a gray zone in the middle. Um, I, I and he was training for a lot of things at the time. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, if he comes in specifically rucking, if he did the same plan that you had me on, then, you know, maybe those rucks look a little bit different. But I think one of the strange things with heavy rucks is um, you don't know until you try it and how your form works. And I'm a very efficient runner, but I'm also 6'4", 200 pounds. Mm-hmm. And, you know, you put 45 pound ruck on me and that's, I'm still strong and efficient. Yeah. And I think that's where you probably did more work than most. I think most people kept kind of training as they would and like, and then we'll see how the ruck goes. Yeah, I, I think a lot of them thought the, the ruck running, you just had to be in shape and it's just going to be like carrying things. And I learned things from running with with the rock you know just little things of hey you know i like to tighten it down this much you know you tighten it down so much it's tough to breathe you have it too loose and it's um it's bouncing around um i like to put my weight in you know like this so it sits higher on my back the everyone was chafed i i wasn't that chafed because they were trying to wear things that looked super cool and um i had my savage race t-shirt on um i do love savage race but it's just the softest t-shirts repping the brand they 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 have high quality you know finisher shirts and after wearing a whole bunch of just random different things i'm like i don't really chafe in this so a little bit of anti-chafe and a my savage race t-shirts particularly from like the recent years and and i could go all weekend in that and those were things that people missed only doing it a little bit you know, when you do a long run with a rock every weekend, like you start to go, okay, I tried this. Now I'll try that. And and they're, and they were probably trying it on the fly. Like, is it, is this right to not be able to breathe? Like, should it be rubbing this much up and down where you like had those experiences? And now, so you, just that alone, I think is a huge leg up. And it's uncomfortable and it hurts and you can still run fast. It's like, it kind of feels like you're doing like tempo pain the whole time you could just do it longer than a normal tempo mm. um, because it's a different stimulus that's causing the pain. So it's that's not necessarily like you're still running close to your threshold, but it's, it's not just aerobically running. That's causing you the pain. The carrying is causing some pain. So it hurts more, but you can run at a higher hurt. Mm-hmm. If that the, makes sense. Yeah. And like, that's also Train just how like a tempo run or running a threshold is trainable where you get to a point like, oh, I can actually keep going for two more miles at this pace. Like knowing where that is, like that ruck pain is probably something similar. It's like, yeah, this is right. This is what it feels like, but I can keep going if I really want to. Um, mm-hmm. Do you think that there's, are you, so your, your background outside of like high school, collegiate cross country, 
is more in the general OCR space. And we're going to talk about noob sanity and like the, like kind of where your, your mind is around uh, obstacle racing in general. But do you feel like the rucking is, is a good way to, to train for OCR? Will you keep this in as part of your training? Yeah, I, I didn't before and I have a, a ruck tempo today. I'm doing hmm. after we get off the call. <laughs> so, and I think it, it lines up really well with the compromised type of tempo pace that you hit in, in a Savage race or a, or a Spartan. Hmm. Like once you start running those, when you're running it with a ruck, um, it, it just is like, you feel it. You're like, this feels like I'm halfway through a race and I'm pounding between obstacles. It's, it's kind of flat and you know, let's go. I, I think it's built strength in my legs. You know, I came off of go ruck games and I didn't know where I was at. I had to take a little bit of time off because, um, Hunter mauled me, <laughs> and my, my groin hurt and my neck hurt and I chiropractor can, can fix the neck. And the other part, I was like, we're going to let that heal on its own. And I started running again and I was like, I'm strong. And I'm, I was doing workouts with, Ryan Brizolara and Matt Gill, and I put it to Matt on a, a tempo run, and he he normally beats me on those. Um, I was running with Ryan um, during a Wednesday workout, and that's hard obstacle running, lots of obstacles, and you know here I was having focused on um, focused on go ruck for three months with a little bit of other things peppered in. And I was able to to jump back in and, and roll with those guys without tune-ups. And they were trying to crank it up for the um, Savage Series. That's an interesting point that you made about the how the running feels compared to OCR. Because that's always a challenge that I find when training for OCR. is like trying to facilitate the fatigue that you're going to feel in a race in training. Because you don't have all the elements. Uh, the effort's not going to be quite there. Pace isn't a great indicator. And it has to be on effort. So that, that makes a lot of sense, right? Like, is it, cause the pace in OCR is generally slow. You yeah. Know, people aren't, people aren't cranking, you know, like they say sometimes like the answer, like, Oh, that looks like they're running five twenty pace. They're not, No, they're not. No, <clears throat> unless it's the first mile at Maryland Savage. Cause it's, it's a it, speedway flat cross country exactly. course and you haven't hit an obstacle yet. This, I'm sure they were running five tens at slow for the first mile or something like that. Dry, flat, open right. path. But like mile five, they're not. <laughs> they're certainly not. No. So that's 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 a really interesting point. And getting used to the feeling of of working hard while running slow. Because yeah. Yeah. It, yeah. It's uh and I think you get there like you start feeling that pain sooner because you're feeling it from a muscle standpoint and you got to find the right mm -hmm. weight. You know, I ran with everything from um, 20 pounds to 75 pounds plus whatever bag weighed plus, you know, so it, 75 pounds, you're barely moving. And that was a point where I, you know, I felt like my form was breaking down. I'm like, that's too heavy, but I could do sub eight pace with like 60 to 65 pounds. <laughs> And that's a, that's a slow jog, yeah. but it was rough. You know, I was trying to go 30 to 40 minutes and I was like, man, if I can break 40 and I had a, I would run on soft surfaces and run on top of a levee and just 
you know, kind of look at that heart rate, feel the pain and, and get through it. And it's paid dividends afterwards. Some of the struggles that I've had with, with like the middle of OCR races, I think is related to that. Like if I feel like I'm running slow because I'm so tuned to like road running track, cross country is my background. That if I feel like I'm running slow, I'm, it means I must be dying, which right. isn't always the case. And especially in an OCR. I mean, I don't know if you felt like this, like if, if you're out of eyesight with people, like mm -hmm. maybe you're in the, the top 10 or top five, but the course is broken up in a way where you can't see the next person and you feel that way, you're like, man, I must be going super slow. And you might be catching them. Mm. You know, it's just, it's not that same feeling because when you're on the road and you're just, you're just rolling. And you can, and you get feedback on your plan on the road or the track, right? Every split, you can look down, you can see like, okay, this is kind of where I should be. And if it's going backwards, you're like, all right, things aren't going well. But yeah, there is that big mental component of how are things going in OCR, right? It's like, where am I? Am I doing well? No idea. So that, that's an interesting point for keeping the rucking in, in your training. Is there anything other kind of takeaways you had when either through the prep of this or through the event itself? Because I mean, the event, the demands of that event were interesting because it's not, it, it was set up more like a CrossFit style competition where it's, you know, two to three events, you go home, you rest, or then there's rest in between events. So it's not quite like what we have in an OCR, in OCR where it's just like, go start and finish. But were, was there anything that you took away from the event as a whole that you're going to try to kind of put into your, your regular training or with the, the noob sanity peeps? Yeah, I thought they did a few fun things that I wanted to try to get into training. I loved the I love their circle of death where you're standing and you were doing the, the static holds with the bag mm -hmm. over your head. I think if I was better at that, um, that would translate to other um, OCR movements hmm. and maybe even some high rocks. It's just a static isometric strength that I don't work on. You know, the only isometric like work that I even think of and I don't do is like wall sits. Like what other... Like no one Planks. does those. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> right. But but here's one where you're actively engaging your core, your arms, your shoulders. Like my my core was shaking during that. And we only hmm. did it for two minutes. So um I've done that a few times and I've gotten better at it from just doing it a few times. And here's something where I feel like my core strength is is maybe getting a little bit better. So that was that was one to take away and I thought it was fun. It's something with our group that we can do and you immediately you're it's like you're racing, but for strong, you know, it it rewards our strength athletes. So here's something they can win and they can win in front of the group. Mm -hmm. And it, you know, it makes them feel good and they should feel good because they're strong. So and, that was a takeaway. Yeah, and something that like the the people people won't want to be embarrassed in front of a group. So if they hold it for twenty five seconds, they'll probably work on it a little bit more. Right. And give people the appropriate weights, you know, mm. again, with running, if you're faster, you got to do loops, you got to do loops or your group breaks up and it's not fun for somebody who gets dropped. And then if, if you're doing this, like you can give people the appropriate weight. So, you know, Hey, someone does strongman competitions. We got a guy up at our course, Scott, who, who's training for strongman stuff. He's going to beat everybody. Mm -hmm. Cool. You know, your weight's heavier. <laughs> Yeah, go. <laughs> we got to scale this thing. We got to scale this. I we've done that with rucking. 
I've really enjoyed that is, you know, I can go on runs with people that, um, and we can talk about this, like when you're building a group dynamic, um, sometimes you need to go your pace and sometimes you need to go the group's pace and going your own pace can take away from the group sometimes because you're not all training together. You feel separated. And when we were rucking, um, the faster, stronger people would wait up, do our prescribed planned workout and somebody who maybe, you know, wasn't as fast, you know, they could go on a run with, with us, you know, for five, seven, eight miles. And we're not waiting for them. They don't have that weird feeling like, are they, you know, like, do they want to go faster? Like mm-hmm. it was just, it was a fun run. Um, and we were able to spread it across uh, more people. So let's back up a little bit and just talk about the genesis of Noob Sanity. Like, I, I don't even remember where I heard of it first. I mean, I'm from the Northeast area, uh, so familiar with – so just talking to people, it would kind of come up in conversation either that it was someone that they were competing against was part of, like, your crew or maybe they were doing an event up there just to get on some obstacles and things like that. But <clears throat> tell us a little bit about just – like how it's because I don't even know how it started or like when it started and like then like what the idea was and how it's kind of come in and 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 then we'll talk about some of the results that you guys are getting that are actually pretty impressive considering just like this the area the group itself and just how it's all kind of come together so just like how did it start so it was 2010 I had just finished up collegiate running I wasn't sure if I was going to run for the Indian invaders yet. And I saw a race that looked really interesting because I had gotten done running college track and I like didn't put my watch on for like two months. I was like, I "I don't know about this. If you had asked all my college teammates, if I was going to keep running, they would have said no. Um, Because growing up, I was more of a, a motocross rider and a soccer player. And I just turned out to be fast at running. Just good at I, where did um where did your collegiate career end? Did you were you at the regional meet or were yeah NCA regionals? I mean, I had I had actually hurt my hamstring. <laughs> that well, the guess is even worse. My collegiate career actually ended with a DNF during my my fifth year. So <laughs> my my fourth year, I I broke my back during my fourth year and. Huh. I came back from that and that season I still I ran a a 150.00 which is a pretty painful <laughs> um, 800 yeah 800 PR that's, that's like I mean, it's like running four flat in the mile yeah it's like amazing but also it's like yeah I wish it was 1499 <laughs> and and I know relays don't count but you know I at least have videos and I've they kind of count where, yeah like I but I've I've thrown down a 149.1 you know, on video at the rally relays, I, you know, I've had a few 149 lows for relays. I was always able to kind of step up big. I ran a, a 255 or 256, 1200 oh, nice. at the pen relays to lead off. And that one's funny because we didn't get put in the championship of America heat. And I was mad. I was like, we should be in that heat. Like we're studs. So I end up like, just thrashing people on the 1200 meter leg to, to open it up because the 255, 256, that's what the leaders are going to do sure. with the, the next heat. And East Carolina is a 400 school. So our mm-hmm. next guy ran like 
45 high or 46 low for the 400 and we're way out front and i'm trash talking to people in the next group <laughs> better not be tactical <laughs> and and then our miler dropped it just laid an egg he ran like a 426 or something did he get just, caught yeah oh, oh yeah my God. like la- we got like last in our heat in a 426 <laughs> that's i was we, gonna ask you what the miler was like because because you said he, your your school is kind of more mid-distance he was, 400 he was hot and cold our best miler was injured so we went with this kid and some days you're gonna get a you know 405 out of him and it wasn't that day uh, he just he just um, do you think they should have flipped it you think he should have let off and you should have anchored um in in hindsight yes yeah but i was never a good miler i always fizzled pretty hard 1200 i was holding on for dear life so kind of a, a bit of a tangent but i you know that was that was my regular senior year. I came back for a fifth year. I was actually, I, I went down to Florida over winter break and we were, we were hammering training. Um, didn't know what we were doing, but like me and this guy, his name's Brandon Hudgens. He just retired from being a miler. He ran at the Olympic trials. He decided to do a half marathon for fun after he stopped running and he ran a 105. <laughs> this was last year. So he's like, well, I guess I'll go to the half championship. So I get to, I get to train with this hammer down in Florida, getting ready for my, my fifth year. And we put in one of the best training blocks I've ever done. Um, and I got back and I was like, man, my, I like tweaked my quad. This is weird. And I, I tried, I kept trying to run on it. We tried massaging it out. I rolled it like every day. Um, it was a, a stress reaction or maybe stress fracture in my femur. And it was, Oh, that's, I mean, that is, and that, that type of injury takes a long time. It does. And what's tough is I want to say, you know, it's the closest thing to getting hurt from doing all the right things. Obviously you didn't do all the right things because you trained too hard, but you took something that was good and then you went a little too hard. And I had a stress fracture every year of, college because <laughs> I didn't learn and I would just hammer. And, um, as I've gotten older, I've, I've become smarter. I've added rest days. Um, I do more trail stuff, you know, so it's not just hammering on the track and on pavement, mm. but, um, that was, that was my college background. So I always like to think like I have the, the wheels or the pedigree to run with most people in OCR at shorter distances Oh yeah. where, um, where it gets tough is, is longer distances. There's charts and formulas. If you can run this in the eight, you could run this in the mile, you can run this in the 5k, you can run this in the 10k, but the more events you extrapolate to the, the crazier, the margin of error is. And most 800 guys aren't. 5k 10k guys it's just a, it's just math and it's a line that looks like it fits but it really doesn't I, I think it's two two events above and below i think is fair so if it's like your 800 to 150 it could probably your mile and like your 3k or 32 3k was okay <laughs> those last I was like, 200 please be tactical yeah, yeah. <laughs> sit and kick um but like if you were to up your mileage or something like that like or to train specifically for i bet like it's kind of like you said it's more of a a measurement of pedigree like what you're potentially capable of right and also that that line really trails off 
when you add in the size and strength of an athlete, it, like a power type athlete, um, I may have a little bit more muscle that that's gonna, that longer events, it's going to be, it's not going to be as accurate, but yeah. I think in those shorter ones, maybe like 600, 400, 400, 200 or whatever was probably, did that, did those line up when you're 800? When you're, oh you're yeah. Line up with yeah, like I, yeah. I was, I was like a 47 mid guy in the four, um, <laughs> which I, I was doing a workout this past week and I did a, like, it was, it was middle of the workout. But, you know, I did like a 61 and someone was like, oh, that's fast. I was like, no, <laughs> I, I wasn't even, I wasn't even been on the straightaway when young Garrett finished. I, uh, I, so there's I, levels. I did a 61 in, in training. This is a couple of years ago. And I was like, oh, okay. That's, I could be an alternate on a decent women's high school four by four <laughs> with a 61. Yeah. Like it, it, and I'm pumped to watch this weekend. I don't know who's listening to this as a track fan, but the four by four at NCAA championships this weekend is going to be fire. You've got Florida who ran a two fifty eight. You have Greensboro A and T who ran a three Oh one when Florida ran a three Oh one, like at, at regionals. And I think there's one, there might be Georgia or there's a couple more schools, but there's four schools that have the potential to run like three, like two fifty nine to three Oh one in the four by four. And if you look on paper, all four of them have a shot at the national title. So in theory, the four by four could determine the national title with oh, the cool. four best teams in points being the four best teams on paper for the four by four. So it's a good indicator of how good your track team is, is how good your four by four is like because you could pick people from other places. You should probably have two good 400 guys, maybe have an 800 and a 200 guy who can like come in and just really yeah. crank um, or 400 hurdle. Or 400 hurdle for double. sure. Sometimes they're like better. The bat. Yeah. Yeah. So like, all right, no hurdles. Great. Yeah. That's, um, that'll be fun. The four by four is just the best. I wish there was more four by eight and that's just as a distance guy. Yeah. But the four by four is probably the best event to watch for sure. I wish they did the sprint medley or distance medley outdoors. I know they do distance medley indoors, but I loved sprint medley like two two four eight like that was fun that's exciting the i think since we're on this tangent we're here the distance medley every time i watch it i have a problem with it because it's like 1200 is exciting 400 is exciting 800 is exciting then the mile everyone just slows down it's like why why is this not just the mile or running they should put the mile first i think so too i think it should go 16 12 8 4 yeah because then it's not tactical no because you you know do you want to be a tactical race when you hand it off to your 400 guy Right. Only if you have the best 400 guy. <laughs> and, and even then, it's like they're even then, the best like 400 a guys. second matters. It's you know, going to so be a second. Really trying to pull it. So yeah, if you put it the like, so then these guys are running 358s every time, right? You have to be on, like under four to really kind of put yourself in position. And the other the guys are going to run 350, uh, 256. That's what I want to say because it's just not yeah. right. It's just broken, and they just like keep it that way. <laughs> That's track. That's, That's why track. no one watches. Yeah, exactly. I love track. But no one watches because they do the most boring things. And you're like, they're like, well, we can fix it. And they come up with something that's worse. They, like the thing with the jumps, did you see that? How they changed the jump thing? Like the long jump penalty thing this year? Have you seen that? It's like something with the, the vertical plane of the board. Have you seen this? they just try to make everything impossible to understand. For it's like watching. Exactly. It's like, why would they make this like 
make it that's going to be worse performances and it's going to be worse to watch. Like, why would they do this? Yes. I don't know. I don't know. So anyway, after oh, I got off track, new yeah. candy started. Um, there was, I think the second Tough Mudder they did was at Englishtown, New Jersey. Mm-hmm. So kind of your, your home stomping ground areas. And I grew up racing motocross there with my dad. Mm. And I sent my dad a message. I was like, hey, we got to do this. This looks really fun. It's it's like running plus motocross. We should do it. And at Raceway Park, right? That was, at that Raceway Park. Yeah. And, and actually something came up and I couldn't make it. And I totally bailed on him. So he went to the first Tough Mudder by himself. <laughs> Someone went and pretended they were me because you could still get away with that because there was like 8,000 people showing up and there were no rules. And then... I went to the next one, which was Tough Mudder, Georgia, and they, you know, they didn't have winners because it's Tough Mudder, but I was like 20 minutes in front of everybody, and they used to pull you up on stage afterwards if you were the first finisher of the day, so they pulled me up on stage and like, are you doing World's Toughest Mudder? And I'm like, yeah. <laughs> so my dad asked. and I both signed up for World's Toughest Mudder, and we built, started building a course on his property. So it was like ladders and trees and rocks and just some kind of BS stuff. And just that was a place for us to train when I was in town or just for him to train. And eventually we were like, we should have some people come try it, like just just our friends. And he had a bunch of his buddies come over to try it. And like 100 people showed up and wow. they had a blast. Um, so we were like, okay, we'll do some more stuff. And we're like, what should we call it? And we're like, well, this isn't going to be anything like, like not even a business. Like we'll just call it like Tough Mudder training course, <laughs> which um, then we're like, well, like you can't call it that. Like just legally, we can't call it that. Eventually so, they're going to be like, guys, like we like what you're doing, but like take our name off please of this. Stop. <laughs> yeah, stop. yeah, can't do that. <laughs> McDonald's too is our, our, our food station. <laughs> so um, that's how we got started. And um, the, the name Noob Sandy, um, it, it came from, we've always done crazy stuff. Like my, my dad's a, a former pro motocross racer and just my family in general is the type of type of family where like, like, Hey, you, like you want to, you want to do something like, go do it, go try it. Um, like it's encouraged, um, those life lessons most kids get, like, I probably didn't get those, <laughs> you know, where I'm a different I crashed, perspective, I crashed yeah. my bike. And he's like, he's like, you know, if you hit that a little bit harder, you'd probably, you'd probably clear that. Like, okay. <laughs> um, so a lot of stitches, a lot of trips to the emergency room growing up, but one of our buddies was, we were going water skiing. And on Thanksgiving in, in upstate, upstate New, New York, York. <laughs> so the water's like 30 something degrees, like it's going to be awesome. He's like, that doesn't sound fun at all, at all. And I was like, and my dad was like, no, it's going to be, it's going to be awesome. He's like, that doesn't sound like fun. It sounds like, I don't know, like noob sanity. And we're like, yeah, that's it. That is what it is. <laughs> that's the name. So it's kind of a strange name. Um, once you know the background, and if you know my family, it makes a lot more sense. And that that's where it started from. My dad has a, a background in construction. 
So he owns a small construction company. He's also a pro motocross race official. He's the head safety official for the pro national series. And I have some experience working at the NCAA and being a pro motocross race official. So from a event management experience, um, we were able to put something together that was fun and safe. And it just, it grew a little bit over time. I moved back from Indiana with my wife in, I think, 2016 or 15, I'm not sure. And when I came back, I started, I would do a workout every Wednesday as part of my training. And then I said, hey, if anybody wants to come, it's free. Like you, you should You're come just telling your me. friends or like, just like post on yeah. Facebook type of thing? Started, started with my friends. Oh boy. Did I lose you? No, I'm here. Hmm. Is my video gone? My video's gone. No, I'm just going to talk. Yeah, I can see you. Okay. My screen's totally black. Okay. <laughs> which is a good sign. Um, yeah, so, so every Wednesday, like the first, I think the first one I had like eight people show up. So it was my neighbors, my family, and then just some people that were super into OCR. Um, there was a kid named Logan Nagel who showed up, and there was a a guy from Syracuse that drove like an hour. His name was Brian Kellogg that showed up to our first Wednesday workout. And the way, and we had a few events throughout the year. So the way that we set it up was if you, if you came to a Wednesday workout and you were signed up for one of our future races, it was free. It was just a way to practice. And, you know, so we started off doing that. And over time, our group grew. We had, uh, we built new obstacles. We tried to build two or three new obstacles each year. And, we started to become more like organized you know we we became a business we bought insurance we rented porta johns because if people had to use the bathroom before um they would run down and use our house mm -hmm. when when there were eight people working out or you'd go in the woods no big deal and you know it was just it was the community ocr course that you know, if you go online, you see somebody that has built a rig in their backyard mm -hmm. um, and that has their friends come over. That's what we did. That's what we started as. And now we have like, you know, 60 to 100 people that come up every Wednesday in the summer and they come train and we have 20 obstacles on the course. Like I, if you looked at a course map, it probably says more. But when I say 20 obstacles, I mean 20 obstacles, like something you'd get to and you'd be like, I might want a picture with this one. Not, not like, like wall to, not, right. not like this is a Spartan hurdle. Right. That's an obstacle. That counts. <laughs> um, two Irish tables, two obstacles. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Here's, here's a crawl. That's an obstacle. Like we have those things too, but I don't count that as an obstacle. Like it, it doesn't have to be hard, but it needs to be, um, you know, I, I call them showcase obstacles. Like it, it needs to be something that, um, you know, you can't just throw together in 30 minutes and call it an obstacle. Mm -hmm. Like this is what differentiates us from, you know, a lot of other, you know, backyard courses or local courses. It's, it's our obstacles and it's obstacles that are four to nine lanes wide. So you don't have bottlenecks and that we can train together when there's 60 to a hundred people. And, you know, that's, that's kind of how it all got started. So one one thing that I've been thinking about 
is just with Spartan race. And we're not sure, you know, what that's going to look like from an elite athlete perspective for uh, in, in the, maybe even in the near future, right? <clears throat> Eventually these athletes are going to have to go somewhere. And, and I think that there is going to be uh, like individual courses, kind of like how the road racing or marathon racing series happens, right? Like the Chicago marathon is a Chicago marathon. The Boston marathon is, is just that. I, I'm, I eventually think that it's going to be races like there is a race in the Northeast at Noob Sanity's course. And there's another one in the Southwest and somewhere in Arizona. And people are just going to end up going to these races just mm-hmm. because that's where the elite athletes are going to be. Once all these other things kind of like dissolve. Um, do, and so you guys put on some events, like how, ha- how have those been going in terms of just participation or like quality of athlete? Like how do you, where do you see it going? And do you see, can you picture it going in a direction like that? Yeah, I think it'll be some sort of hybrid. I think there'll always be a, a traveling national series because I think there's cool venues to be used and to be had. Um, and, and, you know, I look and see what Savage Race is doing, and I'm like, this this is cool. You know, there's a lot of people in our group that go to Savage Race. Mm-hmm. Um, you go to some of the Spartan races, and you're like, ah, that was a cool experience. So I don't know if that goes away completely, but we do try to put on, you know, something locally that if you're competitive, you're excited to go to and you're training for, and it could be an A race for you, or it could be a B plus race for you, but mm-hmm. something where you're going to get to go against some real competition and something where you have a chance to win some money. So we had a, we do six races during the year and they are geared primarily towards, we have um, a membership plan up at Noob Sandy. We try to make everything super affordable for our group where you can basically train at our course for the season and you can do six events for um, probably a little bit more than it would cost you to do one Spartan Ultra. Mm-hmm. Then you include travel and, and everything else. So your weekend cost for Spartan Ultra, like you can train here all year. But I don't have to, to build obstacles every weekend. I don't have to build something new. I don't have to tear it down. Like there's just a lot of cost savings that come from being a permanent course. Mm-hmm. What you lose is it's not new and different every time you do it. So that's why um, we have a lot of different variations that we take in and out for our obstacles. And we try to build something new or upgrade something every year. So this year we built um, two new obstacles. And... Our big spring race, it's it's mud gauntlet, and you show up to it. Again, it's not like a Spartan race where all of a sudden there's thousands of people. Like there's usually, you know, a few hundred, you know, two to four hundred people, and that's enough for it to be a successful race for us, where we want to keep doing it. And from a competitive standpoint, um, I think you'd be hard pressed to find that level of talent at like, even at some local or regional Spartan races. Like last year, our our top five for the men at Mud Gauntlet was Ryan Brizolara, Josh Reed, Michael Suazo, um, Josh Fiore, and then, um, what's his name? Cole Ferrant, who's another one of our local guys. Mm. So like that, that's a pretty serious top five. Like, like yeah. if that was a top five you saw at a, 
at a Spartan race, you know, not a national series one, but you'd be like, that's okay. Like that I like makes tri- sense. I like tri-state New Jersey. Yeah. I'm like, cause yeah, like Briz is what, what, what place is he? He's fifth at the Savage series. Like Josh. I, yeah. Was, or I think he's tied for fourth, maybe. Tied for fourth. I thought he was fourth, too. Yeah, Josh was yeah. fourth at the North American Championships. Michael Suazo is always in that in that mix of top 10. He, he'd be like a top 10 threat at a Spartan National Series if he made his way out there. Josh yeah. Fiore is a world champion at ultra distance. Like, these are good athletes. Right. And um, you know, on the women's side, it's Doreen Klinberg. It's mm-hmm. Sarah Korba. It's Kelly Glynn. Miranda came down last year. Um, Jen Reese, you know, we, Meg, Meg Julian, you know, like it's, it's there. Um, and, and we're strong, you know, you get a, a good number of people showing up age group wise. You know, we have some local people like Jamie Scott and Will Manville. We have some people, I call it like a little bit extended local people within an hour. Or so Jeremy Wheeler, he's a, he's a master's guy but he won the spartan national series i think for his age group so you know you have those people showing up for a local race so if you're in it for the competition it's there if you're in it for the competitiveness um it's there it's a fair course it's challenging obstacles and from a racing background i try to make it so um that you don't end up with situations where you're like, man, that's like, that's not cool. Like I always hate it, even though I'm tall with a tall person has a huge advantage or disadvantage. So we have an obstacle where it's like tires on a log. And I don't count that as one of my like 20 obstacles, but it's, it's something you got to do on the course. But if you're shorter, it's tougher to get over. So Mm -hmm. we have a little crawl under that's right next to it. And it takes roughly the same amount of time, Hmm. maybe a second or two more to do the crawl under. But you're not out of the race because you couldn't go over a tire because you're shorter. Like that's not fair. This is the this is because you've been stuck in teeter tuber. Is it is it not basically? This <laughs> this is how do we help out short people that beat me at teeter tuber? Because because <laughs> I've seen it. Well, what it's I've seen is, um, like I've seen Raya Koble get stuck at a wall at mm-hmm. Killington for a little while. Like mm-hmm. it's a wall. You they got know. stuck at Big Barrett slip wall too. Remember that year? It was this may have been 2017, 18. The entire women's field got stuck on a slip wall. Right. Like a lot of like if it's a height thing, you're like that's that's not that's not a fair test of fitness. Yeah. So yeah. I, I go to you know I, I do as much as I can to eliminate little things like that for their course. Did you see in uh, Mexico this weekend they're going to have a ten foot wall? I was like, what? Is it going to be stairs to it? I'm always curious when they say, if there's a kicker board on it, that's totally fine. It has to be like two of them. 10 foot is like, it'd be hard for anybody running to then jump up and grab the 10. I would love a 10 foot wall. You would be the, everybody else would be stuck. It'd be like the Spartan. It'd be like the Savage rig. This is in Charlotte, but only everyone, everyone's standing on the other side and you're on the, and you're finished. Yeah. And I'd be like, oh, you're not six, four. No, nope. maybe get better. try harder. Get better. <laughs> get better. <laughs> so I just, think a lot of times they advertise 10 foot walls and they're not really 10 feet. They're mm-hmm. nine something with a kicker board and they're totally doable. Mm-hmm. I um, hope so. Cause that'd be, that'd be a weird one uh, 
take people. And they were saying it's a, it's, it's going to be a penalty. Like you only get two shots at it. They had a bunch of rules that I think, that I think the Spartan U S was like, no, those are, those are not rules that we're going to abide by, but right. Maybe. So I don't know. I, I like two tries. <laughs> I always think it makes you, you send stuff. I think two tries or three tries. Cause isn't Europe doing like a, a band system now for like the OCR European championship in Italy, where you get like three bands or something. I don't hate that idea where it's like, you can lose some. Is that what it is? Like you, like, I, I think if you fail the obstacle, you lose a band. I don't think it's like you give up on the obstacle and maybe oh, I'm wrong. You can lose all three bands in one obstacle. I don't know. I need, I should know this, but I don't, but I just, in general, like if you're failing it multiple times, like you're not going to make it on your fourth try. Right. You're just going to stand there forever and create a bottleneck or you're out of the race. Like logistically, like For you're sure. not with the lead pack anymore. So I, I'd be okay with, with that, but I think it lets you pull some Aaron Newell shit and like, right. Really send it on an obstacle at Spartan race. Like, when I play around on Twister after the race, I can do the thing where you jump from the block and grab the middle trust and swing and hit the bell. <laughs> but I would never do that in the race because sometimes you don't make it. That's the you problem know? with the Spartan Ops with the with the penalty is that it does really slow everything down and it just it 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 descent de incentivizes risk. You don't want right. to be risky on these things. And I think if you're trying to make it spectator friendly, you want people to be doing that. You want someone to be like, you mm -hmm. know what? I'm going to send it mm -hmm. and they don't make it and they go back and they do it the regular way or they do a, a smaller penalty. And we try to set up our obstacles at Noob Sandy in a way that um, are doable for the masses because we have everybody from people that are right off the couch to, you know, people like Jereen and Ryan and Sarah and Kelly that you know go toe to toe with with some of the best in ocr mm -hmm. and the way that we do that is as i i go back to like a motocross background like if you have a triple jump and you don't want to do the triple jump what do you do you do a double you don't want to do the double what do you do you roll all three of them but your bike doesn't explode or you're not out of the race if you don't do it hmm. but if you want to really take a risk and, and do the triple jump it's going to be faster but you got to be really skilled and there might be a little bit of risk involved. You know, you know, maybe there's a chance you hurt yourself a little bit, nothing crazy, but you know, the better people can do it on our course. I have two a frames. It's just, just ropes. You go up to the top, you come down, you know, it's a super basic obstacle, but they're spread out at a distance where it's kind of like a far dragon spine at OCR yeah, worlds where that's where you jump back. jump to yeah. the bars and then so picture dragon's back but without that bar you catch on to mm -hmm. with the ropes um, that come down yeah and yeah. and further apart and basically you're just trying to like catch that top edge with your hand and you know if it's a race like Ryan's going to be jumping that and he's going to make 3 seconds on you unless you have the guts to try it mm -hmm. and if and you don't want to do it to. you Right. And you can practice for the race, but it's like, you know, if you, you don't want to do it, you're not out of the race. You just drop down and, you know, keep going. Like I'm not taking the risky path in the same way. Some people bomb downhills and you're like, mm -hmm. I'm going to go a little bit slower and keep my ankles attached to my legs. Mm -hmm. 
That and I've heard this a couple times. I think like yeah, like you mentioned Aaron, and he is a proponent of this style of obstacle too. Like one that people have seen would be that underdog, the Matt Kem- or yeah, Matt Kempson designed at OCR World Championship thing in 2019, maybe, where it was like you had the option to go slow, go like to the rope, to the cargonet, go under the cargonet, or you could just jump, grab grab the cargonet and swing under it and just be done with the obstacle. Is it is it a design issue? Like, is it, are they hard to design these type of obstacles, or is it just simply like why wouldn't Spartan or even Savage for that matter? Savage may have it a little bit more in some of these, but I, I think they have. I I think I think there was something in the sport for a while where a good obstacle um, was being measured on fail rate, and I think Spartan started that, and and I don't think that's a measure of a good obstacle. I think the measure of a good obstacle is the the time gap between elite average and like your beginners but everybody can still do it or almost do it like a beginner doesn't have to be able to do it because you can't scale down to everybody but they come up to it and they're not like while i'm walking around they're like oh maybe i'll give it a try but an elite person should be able to get through it faster because mm-hmm. they're more skilled and they're fitter. Mm-hmm. And I think those take a little bit more time and they take testing and they take some imagination. And I don't think people were thinking like that four or five years ago. And that was the last time Spartan really came up with new obstacles. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's an interesting measure because it really should be. And then that's, it might not, not be the case, right? Like uh, someone in the elite field might just be have so much more aerobic and running fitness so that they can go as fast or slower than some of the athletes who might be in an age group competition for the obstacles itself and it just kind of is the running is what's determining most of the outcome here right um but but there's still obstacles where it's you know you can design rigs in a way where you know if you're skipping things like the parts that you're skipping are kind of like hard hold to hard hold but there's some easier holds in between you know there's Mm -hmm. a ring or a, a rope that you can lock your foot into, but stopping and locking your foot into a rope takes more time. That's interesting. And Savage kind of does stuff like that, right? I think they do a good job with that. You can't do it with, they don't do it with everything because you just have some cool obstacles like a wheel world or a sawtooth where you're right. like, this is the standard. Um, but I mean, watch how fast Kempson and Newell and, and Brizolara do sawtooth mm-hmm. compared to an average person that can do sawtooth like you're making up seconds and those matter mm-hmm. and especially in an elite race um, so so with this the the amount of competition or the amount of lead athletes that are coming out of a pretty small area in upstate new york right like like binghamton is a place for sure but it's not like uh, you wouldn't expect it to be a hotbed like the weather is not great. <laughs> like there's just like uh, reasons that it's not like in the mountains or anything like that. Right. But there's this community and there's this hub there, which is new sanity. And now it's starting to kind of create uh, some really strong competitors coming, coming through there, which to me, it's like, wow, they're just like, they just like are bringing people in and then people are just becoming good at this it's not necessarily like a matter of the talent pool like what do you what do you think is going on with that like what do you attribute that to well i mean first talk about binghamton i don't mean to toot our own horn but um 
BuzzFeed once named us the most depressing city, city in America. So we've got that going for us. <laughs> I mean, the, the weather isn't, they had the, is the champion outlet still there? We talked about one time. Is that still that's there? That's business. Oh, um, that cold. It didn't mention that one specifically, but they wrote, it's, it's been depressing. a rough few decades for this once industrial city. <laughs> well, I think that's just the air. Like my, my parents grew up in the Syracuse area and I, I can't imagine Syracuse was much further down that list. If Binghamton was one, Syracuse has to be like top five, yeah. you'd think. I, I didn't see it. I think there were, I think it was like, I think Youngstown, Ohio. And, ah. um, I'm just naming places where they're going to be mad, but we were on the list too. Cause I, I was reading the top five list and I was bagging on one of my friends. And then I like, because it was one of those like clickbait ones you got to keep clicking. And then yeah. we got to number one and it was where I'm from. And I'm like, oh, man. Oh, no. <laughs> <laughs> this is embarrassing. Um, but I, I actually, I, I love it here. I think if you, you know, it's like, it, they just don't know what to base it on. Like if you love outdoor activities, it's actually an awesome place. Like um, our, we have some of the New York State snowmobile corridors like go through the area. They go through our property. So we get to do a ton of really cool winter training, like running on the snowmobile trails or people snowshoe cross country ski. Um, you're close enough to the Finger Lakes. You can do water sports in the summer. You're close to the Adirondacks and Catskills. Mm -hmm. And even where we are, it's not flat. Um, you know, I call them hills, but one of my friends from North Carolina came up from college and they're like, you didn't tell me you lived in the mountains. I'm like, I don't. And they're like, right. these are mountains. I'm like, these aren't mountains. Yes, that 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 is true. I feel that way about or my, my dad's from Casanova and it's like super hilly. Like you can get a couple like 1500 feet on like a eight mile run or something like that. Like they're not the mountains, but it's hilly for sure around there. Right. <laughs> I, I think it's tough to get the long sustained climbs. So yeah. um, I, I think before I, I say, I think what's going on, just from an outsider's perspective, if you were building like the perfect OCR compound or training camp, like, like what things would you want it to have? You're asking me? Yeah. Um, if... If an OCR compound, what things would I want it to have? Well, certainly obstacles that would be challenging, uh, enough terrain to run, you know, like a 5K loop to turn it into a 10K or something like that. Um, I, I personally would want some sort of fitness facility with equipped with like weights and, and, and things of that nature. Yeah, sandbags, stones. Um, I don't know. I haven't put a ton of thought into it. I mean, I don't think it doesn't need to necessarily need to be a ton. It doesn't necessarily, like, if it was perfect, I mean, I think having the mountains would be good, especially because the way Spartan Race comes. I think being at altitude would be nice just yeah. to have people kind of come down away from, uh, to, to help train. If, like, if you're looking at it from, like, uh, how all the, all the teams are in altitude for running, I think that that would be helpful. Um, so I think those would be the main things that I would look at. Yeah. And, and when I'm thinking about what we have, and I'll kind of go through it, I think we have, everything except for mountains for mm -hmm. like the long sustained climbs and being at altitude and there's a few other things on my my wish list but you know we have any grip obstacle you can think of we have it um, we have a, a bunch of like unique innovative noob sandy obstacles not everything's grip but um just different you know they they challenge you to be um, in control of your body 
And I think that's really helpful, especially for like a Savage or an OCR Worlds. And I think that's why we do well, because they get to practice on unique obstacles here mm -hmm. and we're constantly changing things up. So when you see an obstacle and you have to try to flash it for the first time, you're like, okay, I, I have this skill. Like I have to figure out how to do things fast for the first time um, a lot. You know, mm -hmm. I don't just do the Spartan obstacles or I just don't do, you know, the the grip rig that's at my gym. Like I'm, I'm trying to move through space and do obstacles. So, mm -hmm. you know, we have obstacles. We have a court, an obstacle course that's about three and a half miles. And we have a another side of the course that's super hilly where if you're a 15, 30, 5K guy, and this is about a 5K, the course record is 25, 40. Oh, <laughs> and that, that's Ryan Brizolaro. And I have a, a 26 and I think Josh Reed ran a 27 on it. And, you know, if he ran it more, he'd be faster. But I mean, that's, you know, that right there is pretty good. We have a, a 40 foot long bouldering wall. It's 12 feet high. And it's got a whole bunch of different angles and pitches. And I think that really helps with our grip strength. So core strength, grip strength. And then um, as far as weights, I, I, I have this, the Olympic, you know, plates and bars and, and those types of things that you would have to get stronger. That's not necessarily something that's just out in the open at our course. But since I live on property, you know, we do have a setup for that. And for the people that don't have an external gym membership, um, we usually work out a couple times a week lifting and building strength. And then the bonus part that people don't think about is parking. So <laughs> we have we have a spot that can probably park 200 cars. And when it's not full of cars, we also do workouts and activities there. We have a pavilion, which is where the the bouldering wall is, but it also acts as a, a home base for for workouts and for groups because the camaraderie part is is huge for what we do. Mm -hmm. I think there's a lot of elite athletes out there that are following a plan and um, they're just the type of person that no matter what, they're probably going to get it done. But you look at sports outside of OCR and it's usually teams, mm -hmm. you know, it's a cycling team. It's a triathlon team. It's a running team, um, whether it be Zap Fitness or Tin Man Elite or the mm -hmm. Oregon Track Club. Like those are teams and they train together. And when I see OCR athletes, a lot of times they maybe have, they're by themselves or they have one other person. And I think you need that balance of extrinsic and intrinsic motivation. And I think with us having more people, we're able to do that. You're able to jump in on a workout that's somebody else's strength and it pushes you. And then you're able to show off on a workout that's your strength and, and pull them. So it's, I think that part's important. It's certainly eye-opening, right? When I mean, I'm I train solo mostly, and when I do get to be around other athletes, it's like, oh, there is this like slight deviation of a skill set or uh, or of training that they would do that I wouldn't necessarily do because I'm just kind of in my lane, and I think I'm mm -hmm. I'm doing all the things to cover all the bases. But if you're consistently seeing how not just one, how like ten different people are approaching things, it really can only help. You know, right. Here's where I'm losing time. Right. You know, like I know you've been hammering and kicking ass at high rock stuff, but if you got to do, you know, all your workouts next to 
you know, some other studs, you might see, okay, this transition is tough for me, or maybe they're holding the bag or kettlebell a little bit differently. Mm-hmm. Like, you know, I'll see Ryan, um, you know, do an obstacle a different way than I've ever thought of. I actually, I flip over walls different than most people in OCR, and I think it's better. Um, I haven't been able to convince everybody, but you'll see a lot of us, instead of doing the sideways roll, we do more of like a front flip over On the walls. walls. Yeah. So we go, like, we go over it straight, you know, and you tuck your shoulder in and you come down and that way your, your feet are facing forwards and you're going, there's still a time and a place for, um, just kind of launching your feet to the side and throwing over it. But when you're doing a longer race, I think it, it saves a lot of, um, it saves a lot of wear and tear on your body to do it the way that we do it. And I actually, I learned that from a guy in our group, um, Dan Kosick. He's, he's, he got 50 miles at world's toughest mutter. Um, he was on the Paralympic ski team twice and that's how he did walls. And I was like, he's, you know, this guy's faster than me at, at walls. Like, what is he doing? And I did it and I tried it and I was like, Oh, that's better. So, hmm watch noob sandy people on walls like that's we typically do them differently than most people and it's something we we just picked up and we all started doing it here it's kind of like having a you know you're from boston you have an accent you just say a few words a little bit differently well a lot of noob sandy people do walls a little bit differently (laughs) it's it's and like a trademark at this point (laughs) that is there the noob sanity role the sanity role the um Cause that's the thing. It's like, and it needs, to, and you, what you mentioned about like, so the sighting for obstacles, like seeing something quit, seeing something and be able to make your way through. It's kind of the same as like descending a trail. You might not know that what that trail looks like, but you can see it and you know how to approach, uh, like how to ma- maneuver it as fast as possible. Like it's a great point for the way to do that on obstacles that you haven't seen. And also just like practicing things like going over the walls and just making it automatic so that you're not like in that moment deciding how to get over it you're gaining seconds like and if anybody wants to see a great example of it watch um ocr watch the co-ed part of the ocr world's coverage last year and when ryan brizolara got to i think it was skull valley and he made it through in like three or four seconds Um, it's it was really kind of amazing to watch and the comparisons were um trying to think who anchored for the in the men's race might have been logan broadbent i think so and, and then the team chasing us was leon kofad so both those guys are you know they're studs mm-hmm. and if you look between the three of them like ryan flashes that thing and i think part of that just goes to you know we hit new obstacles all the time yeah, so then you know you know like what is a, a an appropriate risk and what's like not even a risk that might seem like a risk to others that is just a move that is doable because of the consistency of what you're doing it. Right, you know the the body control and to say, hey, I'm going to swing, you know, because whenever you're at something, you're like, I could jump in and grab there, and you jump in a little bit less and it's safer but slower, or you jump out too far and now you're overextended and you're you're either going to wipe out in a like YouTube compilation style hilarity or, um, you know, it, it's just not going to be good. So 
there's a lot of little things from doing obstacles all the time. And I think that's an advantage our people have. So when I think about our team, you know, we have, we have some, some killers on our team and everybody has a, you know, they, they have a full-time job. And I, I know that's kind of normal in this sport anyways, because it's, you know, people aren't making huge checks, but you know, they're, they're first and foremost, like, doing their regular jobs and they found OCR and they love OCR and it's something they've become passionate about. So like an example is Sarah Corba. She's been up here for since the beginning, you know, so probably eight years. And I don't think she always gets the credit she deserves. People don't always know her name, but here's somebody who, you know, she's won toughest mutter East two years in a row. Like, and I think obstacle course racing media went out and interviewed the girl who took second. <laughs> <laughs> it was like, I was like, it's also a great story. Um, we had Matt Gill who took second and, you know, he had run Savage that morning. So that was kind of cool. And they, um, someone interviewed him and, you know, Sarah just went back to her job <laughs> teaching. She, she teaches at a middle school. She coaches middle school track and she's an absolute badass. And if you line up on the start line, like the other girls know who she is, you know, mm -hmm. she might beat them. They might be her, but you know, there's that respect factor that's on the line. And I, I think there's a few noob Sandy athletes that are like that, but you know, if you're doing your race brain fantasy draft, you might not even know they're in the noob Sandy group and they might not be picked, but they're dangerous. When it's the Savage Savage series, there'll be certainly some new sanity people off the board. That's mm -hmm. for sure. Uh, I, I didn't realize I Matt Gill so. did uh, did toughest. That's got to be his longest race, right? Yeah, yeah, he got second. Wow, who who ended up winning? Um, Elmer King. I think he had battled with Josh Reed at the Spartan Ultra Beast a few weeks before. Oh, in in, in a tri-state. Oh, okay, yeah. so. Pretty so he solid. was second to Josh there. And then Matt had Matt's furthest run. He did a 50 K last summer at our trail race and he cried. He won, <laughs> but he, he just, just the, just the ultra thing that happens sometimes it had rained all day. He had never done one before. And he was just, he was like, you do 10 laps of this course. And he's like, I think I cried on lap six. <laughs> and then I got that out of my system. And I just kept crushing. And it, and I'm not picking on him because anyone who's ever done an ultra has, I'm sure, gone through that. Felt, felt that way at some point. Yeah. Yeah. I cried at World's Toughest Mutter because I didn't know my name and I got stopped at the med tent. Um, <laughs> that's so. that's worth that's worth pulling somebody. It's like, sir, you don't know your you don't know your name. <laughs> no, I gave him my bib number, and um, I, they actually didn't stop me. I ran away from them, but I was like crying and running <laughs> and I made it back to my pit and my wife was like, you're done. And I, was like, I might have time for one more lap. And she's like, we're done. <laughs> that, that's what that ultra stuff. And that's, that's a lot different than an 800 meter. It is. I, for whatever reason, I, it might be a, just a theory, but I think, you know, you start going to distances that long. It's not about running economy like a 10k anymore like people think of 10k and track as long because it's the longest event mm -hmm. but the difference between two minutes and 30 minutes um those are probably closer than 30 minutes and 24 hours oh yeah that's a good point like 24 hours is a different skill set so like some 
some people just have it. Even 12 to 24 hours is is a big difference. You know, 12 hour being the qualifier for or you know to get elite contender for world's toughest mutter. Like that's only half. Like yeah, they're good ultra people, but a 24 hour race might be different. Like we have a a guy in our group, Logan Nagel. Like 12 hours, he's just getting warmed up. <laughs> you know, he, he's he's got one speed and it's all day and you start doing something long and gritty and you know he's not going to quit um he's done 80 miles at world's toughest mutter twice um, and his background is he had I, mean, I think he played high school soccer he always kind of i talks about he's the type of person where like he lost a a bunch of weight like he's always been a bigger guy and he got into ocr and lost some weight and end up going on that history channel show the selection mm-hmm. um and was one of the finishers and we were all like i can't believe logan did that um he, it like changed him as a person like he was a badass before but he was next level after that from a grittiness standpoint and you know that's a 24-hour race like that's that's the person you want so, those those are weird those are interesting because it's like how do you even know like you don't even know how it's going to go until you until you do you it yeah no because um, it, it, you're not the farthest you run in normally in training is like 30 miles and then you might do some ultra races as training but you just don't know you can't it's like not worth practicing something like that it, it would just be such a setback just on the lack of sleep alone yeah stand up a full day <clears throat> yeah um so do you are, do you have any plans on doing like have you guys done a 24-hour thing would you we haven't we probably won't we do a like a eight to 12 hour ultra every summer mm. and we mix it up where some years it starts on our trail side and then ends on the obstacle side and vice versa because um, we have like two different parts of the property and um i think this year we're starting obstacle side we're ending trail side but i think 24 hours um, we'll leave that to world's toughest mutter it's once like 12 hours we can we can enforce our rules and there's a standard and and i'm all i'm big about there being a standard you know it's not just skipping things to get mileage Mm -hmm. because it's part of the race like you want to cut out five miles of a marathon and be like like well i still still did the marathon you know i signed up for this (laughs) right just doing it for fun you're like no you didn't do it hop on the subway pop off yeah (laughs) you know so 24 hours I'll leave that to some of the bigger, bigger players to do. But I think we do a really fun, competitive, well-run ultra event, and it's challenging. Yeah. Also, could've... we we have some neighbors who they already know we're crazy people. But I think twenty-four hours, you know, that would be that might be much, might <laughs> be much for them. Yeah, you, you have a want lot that of vibe going the whole time. You want music. You True. want fun things. True. And we're out in the country, but we're still close enough where if you're blasting music all night, they're going to be like, "Hey guys, someone's going to get called." Yeah, <laughs> we're not. We're not cool about this anymore. <laughs> um. So what do you guys? What's the next event you guys have going? I see. There's. Do you do six or seven throughout the year? Yep. So we're about halfway through. We start off with a couple winter events. We do Mud Gauntlet. That's our biggest race of the year. If you're listening to this and you're like, hey, I want to come check out Noob Sandy for an event. Um, that's, I think that's probably the coolest one. That one or our Ultra. So we have the Ultra one in August. 
we do a trail race in July. It'll be our 10th running of the trail race. We do a 5, 15, and 50K, and it's, it's laps. So they're all 5K-ish, and I say ish because I have made the course a little bit longer every year. <laughs> but um, <clears throat> so it's definitely a 5K. It's, it's a little bit over at this point, but it's trail running. So mm-hmm. it doesn't really run matter. A 5K PR anyways. No. It's about racing. It's about being out there. It's, it's a cool, rugged trail. And then we do a, a team event at the end of the year that's more fun-based. And I wish more people did it. For some reason, it's one that outside people really don't sign up for a lot. But our group typically looks forward to it as one of the most fun events. But it's teams of four. And we do challenges. So it you know some are thinking, some are puzzles, some are obstacles, some are navigation. And it usually takes about three or four hours. And we try to put in some surprises every year just to, to make it fun. So it's not always the fittest people that win that event, but it's the team that works together the best. Um, we have a we have a group of guys. They're they're in their 40s and early 50s, and they've won it three times. And they're always competitive each year. And you know, each year they're like we get we get a little less fit, but we get a little bit smarter, and it keeps us in it. So the mud gauntlet, that one just happened, right? Yeah, that was May. That's May. Yeah. Yep. Um, it fell on the same weekend as as Big Bear. So some of the the names from the Northeast actually went out to, to Big Bear and people that were staying local came here. We had $4,200 in prize money, which I think is nice. good for a local race. We oh, yeah. paid out 54321 for the elites and then we paid out three two one for the um for the masters because oh. I, I i think masters you know that there should be that distinction you know one if you're you're 40 and up you, you're still competitive and and they i don't think the sport does a good enough job paying out fairly like motocross background you can make money in in a whole bunch of different classes locally. And if a track isn't paying out money, people don't go, they go to a different track. And I think people get stuck with OCR thinking that, um, you know, this is just how it is. Cause a lot of road races don't do prize money. And a lot of OCRs have gone away from prize money. But I think there's, I think there's a reason to do it from a, um, from an event standpoint for, for myself. And I think there's a fairness reason to do it for, for the athletes. And we, we try to make it, um, like kind of tied and ratioed to, to signups for elite. So more elites sign up, like we're going to pay out more money mm-hmm. and we start with a minimum. And as people sign up, we're like, Hey, prize money went up. You beat more people. Yeah. That seems fair. That makes sense. It doesn't, and you're seeing these races in Spartan now where the elites are like, well, they're not paying out in all of them. And there's like six people in the elites. Yeah. Like, Why would you sign up for it? No, I know. I, I, I know it's beating a dead horse, but like it's, yeah, I, I enjoy Spartan races. I know it's kind of trendy to say, you know, like, oh, Spartan this, Spartan that, but you know, I enjoy them. 
you know, I think it's fun. I try to push my people to go to Spartan races and Savage races because I think once people leave the Noob Sandy compound and they get to experience the mm-hmm. greater OCR community, um, they're more likely to stick with OCR because they start making friends outside the group and, um, you know, that they, they like it. But Spartan has a, um, they, they have a control problem inside their organization with how and when they pay people, whether it's related to cash flow, whether it's related to processes, I don't know. But um, I have a little bit of a grudge because like a lot of people, like they owe me money. Like, like, am I going to go back to your races when you don't pay me? Like, it's not about the money. Like, I won less money than it costs to sign up. Like, <laughs> if I was doing it for money, I wouldn't be doing this. Like, I'm not that good. But from a fairness standpoint, like, like, what are you doing? <laughs> right. You know, that the, other, the other brands don't do that. Like, Savage Race, they're proactively making sure you get paid. They're emailing you out. OCR World's the same thing. Um, go rock games, the same thing. When I used to do battle frog, same thing. Like Spartan's the only one where you jump through hoops and you email people and they don't respond. And it's like actively trying to save a hundred bucks. <laughs> I'm like, I paid more to sign up. Let's give me my money back. Give me a free race. Give me something. Something. So that, that's the, yeah, <laughs> I just got paid for something from September today. And I was like, sweet. I just figured I'm never going to think about this ever again. And when it comes, it comes. I just cross my fingers and it'll be great. Yeah. Um, But, you know, it's one of those things where like, it's like, I've been a part of bureaucratic organizations before. Like I was at the NCAA and I'm like, I could totally see this just being a bureaucratic process issue. Mm -hmm. And then after it goes so long, like people just forget about it and there's enough turnover where it just doesn't happen. Because you have other things to deal with, but right, um, that's just a structure problem. So, um, I I think you know starting a group, you know I I think the biggest thing like if if I had a takeaway from this, it was it was consistency. So we started doing Wednesday workouts. We do them spring through fall. And in the winter, we tried to do some some weekend stuff just because of daylight changes. Mm-hmm. Well, I think I've missed like three in the last six years. Oh, wow. For work you like you personally or the group? Me. Oh, wow. <laughs> okay. Um, you know, because they're mine. I run them. Like, I, I'm going to be there. And um, as far as canceled, I think we've probably canceled – I'm not counting those in the ones I've missed. We probably canceled two or three and it's because of aggressive thunderstorms that we can't wait out. Mm-hmm, right. <laughs> We're like, this is dangerous. You should not be here. Right. But if it's, if it's going to be, you know, rain, wind, snow, we've done practices in the winter where it was a high of negative three. We did a, we did our race this winter for night ops. It's a night race where the high didn't touch zero and there were, um, it was almost negative 20 with wind chill. <laughs> so obviously it, it's dangerous, but you know, we're all adults and we put it out to people that says, Hey, if you want a refund, we, we understand, but this is also, you know, this is kind of what you signed up for. So be prepared, bundle up. You should wear goggles maybe. And, and we're going to do it anyways for people that want to race and people came out and they had an awesome time. So I think being, being consistent, um, 
just lets people know, like, this is what we're doing. Um, it builds habits. It builds the habits it, for yourself and for the other, for the other athletes right. to, to continuously show up. And like I said, if it's a group setting, the off days in which they're not there on Wednesday will drive them to continue to train. Right. And we try to do other things like a lot of times, a lot of us go to the track on Tuesday. We'll do adventures on the weekends if we're not racing. Um, it might be a point-to-point -point run. It might be, you know, we're floating down the river to a brewery. I mean, we just, we go out and do things. We've created a culture where it's not just OCR, but, you know, it's it's friendship, it's camaraderie. It's it's like a second family. And I think it's a, it's a connection you only, that is really tough to build through non-athletics like there's a there's a camaraderie built through shared suffering mm, and shared training for sure where, where you immediately have something in common with them you're like oh yeah we both did that negative four degree race we got something to talk about now <laughs> yeah that's that's one of the funniest parts about ocr it's like oh you're you're a maniac too cool like, we'll probably be friends this will right. work um, like you've self-selected as somebody that we probably want to hang out with just by signing up for that race yeah, for sure for sure. Um, and then the other things are, you know, we, we try to take pictures as much as we can. And sometimes you end up with a cool picture because, you know, this is a, this is a cool sport and cool things happen and funny things happen. And if you can get it on camera so that they're able to show it to their friends and their family, mm -hmm. um, not to brag, but just to be like, this is what I do. Cause it's sometimes it's tough to explain with, with words. And they see it and they're like, oh, that's cool. And that brings in more people. Mm. And then give them a reason to stay. So I talk about, you know, whether it's food or games afterwards, but a lot of times we will do our workouts and we'll we'll have like food afterwards. You know, not hey, it's two dollars for a bottle of water right. or you know, three dollars for a power bar, like sometimes you see at a CrossFit gym. It's you know, we're taking some of the money that they use to sign up and we're putting it back into to snacks and food just after a workout because we're a community. And when people hang out together afterwards, they start to build those connections and it makes their workouts habits stickier. And I think that's one of the reasons we've seen success with um, people getting into the sport and staying in the sport, even if they didn't have success at first, but they were good athletes. And then people that weren't athletes at all that have kind of found their legs through the community and have really gotten into it and have trained well. So I think, you know, this year at toughest Philly, we had four women in the top 10 and mm. one, and we almost had five. Jereen stopped early cause she, she kind of felt like she had done savage that morning. She didn't want to <laughs> put herself to an injury, but she was running top 10 for most of the, most of the event. I think she was like fourth or fifth. So, you know, five in the top 10 at an event like that is pretty cool. And three of them didn't, don't come from a running background. <laughs> they just started at Noob Sandy in the last couple of years. They've gotten into it. Um, they started training more. They started running more. And, you know, now they're killers. Like that, that, that can be you know, anybody out there that's listening to this. Like you start being consistent with your training and you're going to surprise yourself and especially if you're doing it around people that you enjoy doing it with it doesn't feel like work it's something you look forward to 
So you got a couple of so this this upcoming weekend, um this will come out on Monday, but so the weekend of the eighteenth is a big race weekend for some of the noob sanity crew, right? We got Jareen, who is is she in second? Tied in for the, second. Wow. So it's gonna be a big a big yeah. race for her where you could expect everybody to be out there for this race. So it's like her, Miranda, and um Oh, well, who's the, who's, it's a three-way tie, I believe. Um, Chrissy. Chrissy, Chrissy McFarlane. That's right. Yeah. And then you got, you got Briz Lara and is Matt Gill going to go out too? Yep. Okay, wow. cool. So Briz is in fifth or fourth or fifth, yeah, like we fourth? talked about. Yeah. And I think third is in play. I think it's Newell who, who should do well. I think it's Newell and Sean Roberts in front of him. I think it's Alvaro. I think Arvaro's in second. In second. Kempson's in first. Okay. I think okay. those two are kind of checked out. But I yes. think Newell and Sean Roberts are within two or three points. So him. Ryan so can catch, I, catch them. It's at least possible. Mm-hmm. You know, I think you look at this course and you say um, there's hills. Yep. So automatically, I think, you know, I think Newell. Like, I think he's going to do well. And... Um, the good thing with Savage is you never know with the obstacles. Maybe someone gets caught up on something, but again, it's Newell, and he's he's fairly strong on obstacles. Yeah, he's very strong on obstacles. So, um, you just have to hope other people have good weekends, and it's a close race, and you're able to stack a few people in a close race between the two of them. Um, Ryan's also good on hills, so I think Ryan was in front of him a couple places at OCR worlds in the 15 K, but, um, you know, Newell had the injuries last year. He was just coming back back from it. So that's, that's a, it's a different Newell this year, but Ryan's Ryan strong on the Hills. Matt Gill is a very strong Hill runner. So I think you'll see him do well. He's done better all season. He has the skill set. He just didn't have the experience before. And, and I think someone that's purely coming in from a running background, it takes them a year or two to build the experience, but also it's like a little bit different type of athleticism mm-hmm. to, to start doing well. You got to kind of get out of your comfort zone of what is a good running training versus OCR training. And it's nice to have a community of people that can show you. And so you're not getting like, it's a, it's way slower to learn if you go to a race and, and like once every two to three weeks and then, kind of try to piece it together where you can come every single week and see how people are doing stuff. Right. Like we, this past Wednesday, we, you know, we do our weekly workouts and it's, it's Matt and I off the front on this one. Ryan was taking an easy day. He had done five by a mile the day before. And so Matt and I are kind of hammering and he's pulling me on every run section and I'm putting the gap back on him on all the obstacles, but at just, you know, there are obstacles he's done a bunch of times, but just throughout the workout, all of a sudden, I'm not gaining time on him on obstacles. Hmm. I'm like, crap, <laughs> like, this isn't going to go well because he's, he's got a little more foot speed than me right now. So, um, you know, he's there. I, I think we'll I think we'll see him pop um, some more good races this year where people start, you know, seeing the name and they're like, okay, that's someone to worry about. Mm-hmm. And then with Jareen, I think we we we're hoping for a hard rig. The harder, the better. Um, that girl is one of our best obstacle people. She's super gritty and she's great on rigs. So 
Um, Miranda has a has a speed advantage. I think her and Chrissy are are pretty close, and we'll see how it goes with. Jereen's been sharpening up doing track workouts and some speed stuff and some tempo. So I think her running's going to be be up even a little bit from what it normally is and her obstacle stuff is always there. So if we if we pray to the least oh well gods for a hard rig and and maybe we we get one that um helps Jereen just pull second place. I missed uh I missed the Charlotte race which had a which supposedly had a very hard rig right only two female elite finishers in that race did you see it i didn't i didn't, I didn't see it. i think I, it, I saw a vi- well i did see a video but it didn't seem like it was that hard I, it looked like big reaches it's usually think, something like that like a long lache or something like that it's tougher what, for women yeah i think i think you always see the ebbs and flows with it so i think if they just went that hard in charlotte i think we'll see you know one or two clicks back because you know they're looking for a certain number of people to make it through. And so, I wonder how much they're thinking about like, do we want a, f- a full series to kind of come down to one obstacle? Yeah. Which maybe, I mean, they kind of do that for their races, you know, like a full race comes down to one obstacle a lot of times there. I think it should, I mean, it's the last one. I think it should be harder than the rest of the season, but mm-hmm. I, it shouldn't be, don't make it again, impossible. It shouldn't be impossible, yeah. but maybe something where, you know, it, it's just, you can separate yourself time-wise. Um, again, I think it caught a lot of people, but last year in Maryland, they had one that was like a double lache. Yeah. And that was one of the races that Ryan won. And his double, he pulled a bunch of time on Jordan McDougal there because his double lache was just, you know, he went sprinting into it. It wasn't like grab it and start swinging. He like jumped into it immediately into a lache you know grabs the middle laches out of it he's through it in you know six seconds yeah so that's what we're hoping for yeah so we'll see so it should be a fun uh finale it's been cool to kind of see the savage series and see the noob sanity people down there so i'll make sure to link to the social so people can see so it can can check you guys out hopefully it gets people up into some of the events and this thing's going to yeah. keep going, man. So we're, we're looking forward to seeing the, these athletes out there. What do you got next? I will see. I either have um, shoulder surgery because I've been putting it off. <laughs> yeah. Or um, probably my next A race is OCR Worlds. The High Rocks are on back-to-back weekends. So I've been starting to build for that. You'll see me at Savage PA mm. and probably a few other um, regional races throughout the summer. I'm in good shape right now. That's one of the reasons I'm kind of putting off the shoulder thing. I'm like, well, maybe I can <laughs> just wait for another injury. For another year. Yeah, wait for like, a stress get, fracture and then get the yeah. surgery. Um, you know, get through, go rock games again next year. But we'll see. I'm excited to I, see at a, at a High Rocks. I think it'll do really well. Any DECA fits? There's, they did a DECA strong or Deca Strong around me once. I did fairly well. I'm trying to think. It was like a... I'm, I'm going to make up a time. I don't know what it was. I think high 13 or something. Yeah, it makes sense. Um, I, I, I did well, but I had never done one. I, I'm excited for it. I, I think my rowing and skier are fairly mm-hmm. decent. And 
we'll we'll see. I've I've convinced some other people to go down to High Rocks, NYC. Nice. And um, my prediction is there's a Noob Sandy person on the elite podium at, at High Rocks, and it, and I don't think it's going to be me. And not you. Not me. All right. Got some. Got some um, sleepers. There's a sleeper. <laughs> <laughs> Great. Um, it, like, and it's one of those things. Like, I, I feel like. You know, I haven't done one, so I'm, I, I might be talking on my ass, but I feel like I, I have a pretty good idea. You know, when I I see people, and you're like, okay, like, you're doing some crazy stuff, and with a little bit of training, that's that's just my my guess. We'll see. So, check, come High Rocks NYC. Um, we'll, I'll be there. I'm gonna have a blast. It's gonna be fun, and. I think on the women's side, we're, we'll see. Cool. See if we can snag a podium. All right, dude. We're going to wrap this thing up. So, again, I'll make sure to link to everything so people know where to find you guys. And I appreciate appreciate taking the time. It's been fun getting to know you and watching watching you crush and watching the new sanity people really do uh, really well this year in the Savage stuff and just seeing them around in, 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 in the uh, toughest East. So we'll continue to see it. Yeah. And if there's just one more thing, I would just – talking about the noob sandy people i'll let you wrap it up after Mm -hmm. this is it's them you know like i i don't i always want to like put ego aside and i think that's super important when you're you know building a place for athletes to train is it's not about the person who's building the place that they train i know i'm the one on the podcast today but they're the ones that put in all the work Mm -hmm. um you know they're pushing each other they are recruiting people just as much as i am um, my, my whole community is, you know, they're trying to build it because they love the community and they want to train with other fun, awesome people. And it's, that's what makes it easy for me is I have awesome people and I'm able to train with them. It makes it fun. It makes it easy to keep doing. And I can't say enough about them just as athletes, but even more as people. So mm-hmm. it's been exciting and, you know, we're exciting to, to keep doing it. You hear all the time, you know, oh, what's going to happen to OCR? It's going to be there. It's a mm-hmm. fun sport. If you love it, there's so many other people that love it too. It just might look a little bit different, but it's not going to be worse. It's going to get better and better over time. I think the same thing, that there's there's a place for these athletes, these, these passionate people who aren't going to let the, let it just go to the wayside. One way or another, something's gonna, something good will come come from it. And people like you and the community that you got going on are going to be a, a big, uh, a big reason this thing kind of keeps getting pushed forward. So I appreciate your response and, you know, knowing you, it is not surprising that you're like, eh, it's not, it's like, I'm just, I just put up the obstacles. They're doing everything else, but you still put up the obstacles. So we appreciate it. We try. <laughs> yeah. Cool, man. All right. We'll thank you. Wrap us up.